my ancestors in the ocean. Now we became the new wave, and we are about to drown this system. Welcome, everybody, to the Kid Casper Podcast. I'm your gracious, beautiful, blessed, beloved, black host, a kid that they call Casper. The KID in Kid Casper stands for King Bellum. That the millennium reject me as I am as long as he is still relevant. This is your first time tuning in and engaging me in my black skin. You know what I'm saying? Hello. I'm that quirky brown skin kid that they call Casper. I'm a Christian raptivist. Yes, rapper slash activist. I love Jesus, but I'm super far from a pacifist. You know what I'm saying? Graphic designer clothing apparel owner no you will not get a full view of my outfit because we are wearing sweatpants and you know with in the spirit of what's happening in the christian hip-hop space everybody just sit down you know what i'm saying everybody just stay on their butts with the clothes on i think we just need to just do that you know what i'm saying um <laughs> um but thank you for tuning in today um this is hopefully I sound good. Hopefully I look good. You know, I did not, I just got out the shower. Um, so I'm a little bit ashy at this point in time, unfortunately. So hopefully I'm not, you know, like as, as I just described as my vehicle, having all this salt saturated, you know what I'm saying? The, the Bible calls this to be salty and lit, but right now I just feel kind of crusty and dark skin. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Other people might say I'm not dark skinned. We're not going to argue about that. If you want to argue, sign up for the Patreon. That's besides the point. Anyway, guys, my guest this evening, um, this is somebody that I've I've been say I would say like I've been intrigued by um, somebody I've followed closely through the years. Uh, this is a fellow disciple of Christ, uh, not only a fellow CHH rapper. Um, you know, he's a father first and foremost. He's a husband. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a black business. You know what I'm saying? He, we don't call them small business owners cause we don't put small work to manage our business. You know what I'm saying? Um, everybody y'all might know this brother as AP. Some of y'all might know him as a or Aaron, or I don't know what other nicknames anybody can call him. I mean, for all I know his aunties might have a different nickname for him, but everybody, if you could please welcome to the stage, to the screen, to your living room, see your cars that you're probably parked in the Tarkin parking lot, everybody. Aaron Patterson, how you doing today, brother? What it is, what it is, what it is, what it is, what it is. How y'all doing, man? How y'all doing? Y'all doing good? I know I'm doing good. How you doing tonight, man? I'm I'm doing I'm doing all right, man. I'm um I'm just getting settled in. Uh, you know, I we were trying to get the sound and everything figured out. Uh, I'd never realized I, not only as technology advances, they try to hide how to work the advanced technology. So that was a that was interesting nonetheless, but we got it all on and popping. You know what I'm saying? Yes, um, how about you, brother? How you doing today? Man, uh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Uh, it could be worse, but uh, I'm breathing. Uh, I got a beautiful family, so I'm going to count that as a W. You know what I mean? I'm going to count that as a W. Right. How right, you doing, right. man? How you doing today? 
I'm, I'm like I said, man. I'm doing I'm doing good, and you know I also appreciate. I just wanted to say, like I I feel like that I feel like this was like this like this black man telepathy of drip, how to like work on it and stuff. I saw your post the other day. I think it was on Instagram where you had like the full sweatsuit, and I was like, is this brother wearing white shoes with a colored sweatsuit? And I was like, for me, I felt like there was a spiritual connection that was happening. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, okay. we wear white shoes with the sweatsuits. I respect okay. it. I respect it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I just, I don't know. I, yes, I know that's the new little line I just dropped. We got some sweatsuits that just dropped. BreakTheCycleGear.com. Shameless plug. BreakTheCycleGear.com. But yeah, yeah that, that's my favorite color. We got the burgundy joint. So I was like, I got to I gotta take that. I got to rock that. You know what I mean? Of course. Of course. Yeah, you know what yeah. We got we gonna we gonna definitely get into that, brother. We gonna definitely get into that. So okay. you know, this is I would say you know we've had a couple of exchanges. You know, I've either you know interacted and engaged with your um, podcast and like you know social media, and we talked here and there. But this is like the first time that we've ever been able to have dialogue, share, share a space together, you know, break bread. Who you know with who we bake it with. You know what I'm saying? So if you could give like a like an elevator's pitch to who Aaron Patterson is. Who is Aaron Patterson? Tell that to the people today, sir. Man, uh, Aaron Patterson. First off, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God first. Uh, I'm a family man, uh, entrepreneur, and just like I'm the type of person that I just want to see people be set free. So from where I came from, a lot of people don't make it out or, or, or reach their potential. So like my life mission it's like to pour into people and see them be who God works, God created them to be. That's that's me in a nutshell. I, mean, I just want to see people win on, on every area, like family, financial. Area. I want to see people win because I know, like, I know what it feels like to be down, and and it don't, it don't feel good. You know what I mean? So, yeah, not even that. You got one of the biggest smiles of anybody I know yeah. down south for some of I'm like, this man is he like. Not so much that they like you got big teeth or anything like that. Nah, nah, I, got, I got big teeth, big lips. Right big, and then the dimples, the jawline, and everything. Like God hey. took his time with you. You know what I'm saying? Like it that's just. The old, that's the only reason I bag my wife. Like I ain't cute. I just had a nice smile. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> she couldn't resist the smile. I feel that. I feel that, dog. Um. So for my next question is before we kind of get into like this dialogue and everything. Um. You know, this is a always an, a super intense question. I always ask people. Um, as I don't know if you've ever watched my podcast before. Have you ever engaged with my? I, I've I've seen a couple of episodes. Okay, okay. So yeah. hopefully you know what's coming next. So my first super intense question is: If you had to pick a favorite Disney princess, my brother, uh, what would that uh, favorite Disney princess be, dog? Today uh, is Mulan Disney. Uh yeah, she's Disney. I don't know if she's a princess necessarily. <laughs> I mean, like, what's what's my options? I mean, like whatever you want to. I don't know if you're I'm breaking really. any rules at the same time. Can I? I would just go. I would just go move on. Okay, that that I mean, like the internet says yes. So that I mean, I guess that's gang fine, gang. Right? I'm going with Mulan. I'm going with Mulan. <laughs> gang gang. Gotcha, gang. gotcha. Yes, yes, she is apparently. Thank you. Okay, gotcha. Mulan. Okay, bet. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and my next, this will kind of let me know either how much cooler you are than me or if we are <laughs> equally yoked on this level. Um, if you had to pick a starter six Pokemon set, 
what starter six are you going with? So my favorite six Pokemon. Sure, whatever. You know what I'm saying? If you had to go and go against the elite Okay, of four, course, Pikachu. Okay. Charizard. Squirtle. Jigglypuff. That's a tough question, bro. That's a tough question, bro. Come on, you got two more for me, dog. I'm drawing blanks. I'm drawing blanks right now. Oh, it's been a while. I'm not gonna cap. I'm drawing blanks right now. I guess I give you starting four. <laughs> I can't remember the other ones right now. But I used to be like knee deep in the Pokemon. I had the cards. All had the booklets. I wish I kept them. I threw the mugs away. If I kept them, they probably worth hundreds of thousands now. Oh, people are selling them. You know they what I'm still, saying? They I don't still know selling them. Yeah, you. I don't know if you remember the um, like the or like uh, hopefully Oreos are still around. You know what I'm saying? That's the only time it seemed like segregation and integration worked was with Oreos. Um, so, <laughs> but um, they used to make like the they used to make like the Pokemon movie like Oreos, and they used to have like Mew on like the outside like the the cookie part, right? Them things are selling for yeah. hundred for a hundred bones. The cookies, they just sell them for a hundred bones. They just sell them for a hundred dollars just for the cookie. I'm not even kidding. There's people on Facebook Marketplace selling Mew Oreo cookies. I wish I was capping. I am oh, not. It's crazy no in cap. these streets, man. And no cap over here, the hair's out. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I'll, 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 can I give you an assist? I'll add two, two Pokemon. Yeah, add two more for me, bro. Okay, I got you. So we'll throw in. We'll throw in a Gyarados. Okay, that's fine. Mm. And then we'll throw in, let's see, we got to get somebody. You know what? We'll throw in Meowth because he just gives me that Chris I Tucker vibe. About him. He, he, you know what I'm saying? He seems like he's from the hood, so he feels like he knows oh, how to God. get it. He got the gift of gab and get the jab. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that. For sure, for sure. I feel like that'll get the job done. Um. <laughs> So yeah, I think so. One of the things that like one of the reasons I asked you on here today, and you know, I know that you have your own podcast, and I've seen that you know you've kind of like tackled these different issues. But me personally, I'm like, I've been following Aaron for a couple of years, been Facebook friends with him for a couple of years, but I don't really know this brother. So if you don't mind, my brother, if you can go back as far as you can remember, um. Tell me about the early development stages of a young Aaron Patterson. Dang. Shoot. Uh, so I was a church boy, technically. Like, so growing up, my mom was like that. Hell and fire, brimstone, running around the pews, blowing shofars. So my mom was like Christian to the core. And my pops, he was a Christian as well, but he wasn't like living like that back then. So I always had this warped view of like, okay, Christian is like my mom or her friends, white people and corny people. That was my view of like what Christian meant. So I never really fit in with it. So when I was younger, I gravitated towards like sports and music. Like I started rapping in, I think third grade. I remember looking at uh, Lil Romeo and Bow Wow on the screen. I was like, I want to be like them. So like, I don't take any Bow Wow slander. There will be no Bow Wow slander near me because Bow Wow is the reason I'm here today, y'all, because Bow Wow is a rapper. So, uh, yeah, I was just – I've always been, like, creative. And I've always been, like – I don't want to say the life of the party, but 
I moved around a lot because my family was homeless as well. So there was a period we moved around to like six different towns in three years. And every time I went to a new town, I, I got with the cool kids within like a month because from kindergarten, people just kind of gravitated towards me. I used that for evil before with women and influencing people in the bad way. But now I see that God gave me a gift to just have like, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Favor with people. Like everywhere I went, I had favor on my life. Like, and it's not me. I think it's because my mom was a praying mom. So early years, bro, I was a good kid. I was a good kid. I played sports. I did music. But of course, around sixth, seventh grade, that's when I started going down the wrong path by hanging out with the wrong kids. They good kids now, but the weed, the drugs, all that. So the typical, I don't want to say typical black man story, but low key. I lived the typical black man life, like in and out of some stuff. But yeah, the drugs, selling drugs, the womanizing, all that. And it led me to like give my life to the Lord. But early me, I was, I, I say I was innocent and pure, bro. That's the word, like innocent and pure. And since I got saved, I feel like God gave me my innocence back and like that purity. But yeah, I was just, I, even back then, I just loved people. I love being around people. I love making people smile laugh that was like me from kindergarten i was the class clown and my mom would tell me stories about how teachers would want to kick me out of school but they liked me so much so like aaron's a joy to have around he's just a terror so now i use all this stuff for good to try to influence influence people towards christ but back then i just use it all for me you know and i found my identity and like people liking me and being the cool kid if that makes sense that's a little bit of you know the background but yeah no, i got you i got you um you know. <clears throat> There's something that you said on top of the fact that you said there will be no uh, bow wow slander. We'll leave we'll leave we'll leave Shad Moss alone. We'll leave Shad Moss alone. No bow wow slander. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like there's a little bit of bias coming out of you because you in the A. So I mean, like I, I'm just going. I'm just going. I'm gonna let you ride. I'm gonna let you ride. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're a guest. Um. <laughs> so one of the things that I'm curious about is when you talk about, I would say like there was a shift. Um, I would say like when you got to like, I would say like the adolescent stages, can you talk a little bit about like that? I would say like, you said that you gave your life to God, but like, what was it for you? Like, was it like a song? Was it like a bad breakup? Was it, I'm not sure. Like, can you speak to what made you want to, cause I mean, God can change our hearts, but we have to want him. What was it that made you want to give your life to Christ? Bro, that's such a loaded question. Cause for me, my mom was preaching to me my whole life. So even when I was wilding out, I would hear my mom in the back of my brain. Like I would like, I would go far, but never too far because it was like, I could hear my mom was watching me. So my whole life, I said a new song I just dropped. Like I heard a God on my life, but we didn't meet. Cause like my whole life I heard about God and I believed in God. But a lot of black people, if I'm being honest, we grow up believing in God we just don't live for him. So I was I, I believed in God like my whole life. I believed in him. I'd be in the blunt rotation, like, hey bro, you know Jesus love you. Now that was just me. Like I just <laughs> like hey bro, he got a plan for you. Like no, no, no. That, <laughs> I was I was that guy. But um, and then uh my fresh my first year after freshman year of college, I was I was with the homies, I ended up getting arrested. This is like I was so I was 19, I got arrested. And I was in that jail cell, and that's when God spoke to me. I feel like he spoke to me for the first time. He's like, are you ready to live for me now? 
And I was like, that gotta be God, because I don't even talk, I only talk to myself like that. You know what I mean? So that started the trajectory from when I got arrested. I stopped selling drugs and I stopped drinking. So for me, when people try to get people saved overnight, I'd be like, hey, I'm not saying God can't work like that, but for Aaron Patterson, it was literally a process. So from then I was like, I stopped smoking and drinking, but I was still sleeping around and I was still getting high as a kite. So this continued for another three, four years. But as I was not doing that, I started spending less time with my friends and I would I started going to church, but I would sit all the way in the back row and I wouldn't hang out with nobody. I would not leave during altar call. I'm like, I want to hear the word, but I don't want to hang out you church people because y'all still corny. You know what I mean? So it was like a slow trajectory of me going to church every Sunday, but still living my life. So I was lukewarm. This time I was lukewarm, which is better than, I mean, I guess it's not better than being all the way cold, but I was trying. You know what I mean? So what led me to actually like really give my life to God was at this time I was rapping in the world and I was getting traction. I opened up for Kendrick Lamar, some other people, and I was like doing my thing, like in my city and in, in, uh, in Attleboro, Massachusetts, where I'm from, I was doing my thing. So, um, but I put out a music video. I was used to getting like 30,000 views and stuff. And the mug got like 500 views or something. And bro, I was, I was hurt. I was depressed. I was like, yo, why am I even here? Cause I found my identity in my gift. My whole life, my identity was in my gift and my talent and what people thought about me. So for some reason, again, God spoke to me this moment and I was like, you know what? Bump rap. I'm going to get this God thing a try. Cause like I was ready to, I was, I wasn't there mentally. So uh, I, I deleted all my social media. This is before this. I even knew this was a thing. Delete all my social media. Uh, I stopped editing videos. I stopped recording. And I opened up the Bible at Genesis. And I just started reading. And and I tell you this, bro. I heard one of my friends posted a Tasha, uh, I'm sorry, Tamla Mann song called Take Me to the King. So that's the only Christian song I ever heard besides Kirk Franklin. I listened to Take Me to the King for three months straight on repeat, and I would just cry in my room reading the Bible. It was, Take me to the king. <laughs> and what they led to another, I ended up in Atlanta at ministry school. And that's when I like, so that was six years ago. Yeah, almost six, yeah, six years ago, I came to Atlanta for ministry school, and I just hit the ground running, bro. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this God thing for real. Uh, no more sex. No more immorality, no more drinking. I mean, no more smoking. I gave everything up cold turkey when I came to Atlanta, and I've been—I ain't been perfect since then. You know, what I mean, I've slipped up, backslid a couple times, but overall, bro, I've been like on this Jesus gang, bro, for six years now. Because I didn't been there before, and I ain't going back. I've seen too much, been through too much to be like God is so real, and He spared me for twenty-six years. So now I'm gonna do the next sixty, like being sold out. Like, so that's, that's long story short, but yeah, for sure. So what I didn't know until you telling me this is you said you're from Massachusetts. What part of Massachusetts are you from? All around, but I spent the most time in Attleboro, but I lived, okay. in, I, I lived in a bunch of different, at least eight different places in Mass. So when people ask, I usually just say Boston, cause I'm not going to be like Attleboro, Mass, man. Cause they're going to be like, what's that? You know what I mean? So. But yeah, Attleboro, Massachusetts is where I spent most of my 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 years. 
Gotcha. I, I understand that because I tell people I'm from, so I'm originally from Wichita, Kansas. And for some odd reason, people don't even realize that Kansas is a part of the United States. I either get these two questions. I'm like, there's black people in Kansas. I was like, yeah, you know, black people were drafted everywhere. That's one, you know, slavery. Um, and then second, <laughs> where is Kansas at? I'm like, literally in the middle of the map. Like we're, we're, we're on the hump. Of the of the United States, I promise. Um, <laughs> I got a homie from Kansas, so. Oh yeah, I mean they have a heavy hip hop scene. I don't think people really like. Oh for real? Know, yeah, yeah, because you know St. Louis is like right there. Battle rap uh, is big in Kansas. Oh come on, y'all so, right near Missouri? Yeah, we're right, we're right next door. Like Missouri, they don't really so claim crap. us. I thought y'all was near like Montana. No, we, we, they don't really claim us. Like they they don't allow us to celebrate the Chiefs when they win, but like. Oh, for real? But then they come to, like, our Jayhawks game. Hold on. So it's Kansas and Kansas City two different places? Yes, Kansas City is the city <laughs> of in Missouri, but Kansas is a state itself. It's weird. It's weird. Okay. And then we I, have – I learned I learned something new today. Yeah, and then there's, like, Arkansas, which is really our Kansas. I don't know. It's weird. I don't feel like getting into that. That's a can of worms right now. Um, <laughs> but I am curious because, um, oh, you know, I've met a couple of Facebook. people. All good, all good. Um, yeah. I'm curious though, um, what was life like for you in the state of Massachusetts? Like, what mm. if you could speak to like the environment of what that was like for you? How did that influence you to become who Ooh. you are today? Um, great question, bro. Uh, Massachusetts is like it's weird, like, it's not New York, but. We're like New York's little brother, basically. So it's like, you can think in New York, like, how rude people are. <laughs> how it's like every man for himself. Massachusetts, like, we're like the little brother. But for me, the part that I lived in, bro, I grew up around every single culture. So black, white, so I've had experience with every single nationality. So it's a blessing now because now when I do what I do is I'm not a public figure. I don't like using that word. But now that I like, I'm in a business of like people. I've been around every type of person you could think of. So now when I meet somebody, I'm like, oh, you're Jerry. You're Bob. like, I already met you before. Like I'm meeting you. You're just the same person in a different body. But where I was from, bro, it's like you could get caught up in either way. It's like real, it's real drug heavy. I wouldn't even say it's the hood, bro. I'm not going to cap like I'm from the hood. Where I lived was a, a city slash suburb, but everybody from the hood would come to where we lived so it ended up just being like crime and drugs and people were gang members so it was it was the weirdest thing ever where it's like if you just my parents would be confused because they was like Aaron we ain't raised you like this why are you wilding out why are the cops bigger you hoped I'm like mom all my friends is hood like I don't know what to tell you but these people gravitated towards me and now I'm just I'm this way but I say all the time like I chose that life. It didn't choose me. It, I chose I chose a life of crime. Like, I ain't have to do that. I ain't have to live this way. But it feel like, I feel like I chose it, and it chose me in some ways. And, yeah, I got a lot of homies who overdosed. They ain't make it out, been to prison and all that. So, like, sometimes I got survivor's guilt because I feel like I got all these blessings and I don't deserve them. But, yeah, man, it's – yeah, where I, where I came up from, it's, it's an interesting place. Like, 
I'm gonna do a film about it one day because I'm into filming stuff. So I want to tell the story of like a small city and having big dreams and all the different type of personalities. Like where I where I grew up in could prepare you for life because you would have seen every type of person, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. And it's funny you use the term survival's <clears throat> survivor's gift guilt because like for me, especially like as a black man that just survives and lives in this country. Um, I don't think people really understand. So can you break down, like, I guess to the best of your ability, what survivor's guilt is and like mm. dive in a little deeper on like what that means to you? Shoot, survivor's guilt, if for me, it's like you feel bad for having what you have. So it's like, I look at it like, like I had two parents. Granted, my dad wasn't around, but the fact that I even had two probably gave me a better chance to be who I am right now. So sometimes I ask myself, like, dang, Aaron, if you was, like, really in, like, the hoodest of the hoods, would you even think like this? Would you move like this? Or would you be like some of your homies who who don't are, like, or are, are products of their environment? So, like, dang, like, okay, I had a Christian mom. And my mom wasn't Christian and poured into me like that. Would I have became this man? So I have these type of questions like I feel guilty for some of the blessings I have. But then on the other end, I'm like, bro, ain't nobody gave me nothing. <laughs> like, so like what I do have, I work for. And they didn't make the clothing line. They didn't print the hoodie. They didn't, they didn't hustle. They didn't grind. So it's like this, this mixture of being like, you know what? Like I didn't have a silver spoon. Like I wasn't rich. I had to work for everything I have, but there's people I know that had it way worse than me and they're not in my position. So sometimes I'm just like, I want to bring everybody with me. And sometimes I'm like, dang, I might give too much because it's out of fear. Like, dang, man, I, I feel bad that I have what I have. And that's something the Lord been working on me with. Cause he's like, he reminded me like, Aaron, like I'm the gift giver. So you, if you feel guilty for what you have at this level, I can't make you rich, rich. Cause then you really going to feel bad. <laughs> You really gonna feel bad if you can't wrap your head around like I cho you're chosen. Like I chose you, like Aaron, you're chosen. Not meaning these people aren't, but there's like a specific call and plan I have on your life that that person couldn't fulfill. So you're gonna have to get used to being blessed. You're gonna have to get used to feeling uncomfortable. Like why are people watching me or paying attention to me? That's something like I hate attention. It's the weirdest. I hate it, but God's been showing me like that's false humility. You hate it because for whatever reason you hate it, but it's like you have to get used to that, Aaron, because I want to give you more. So you got to work on that survivor's guilt inside of you because I can't bless you if you're just going to drop the ball. I'll give it to somebody else who's going to honor it. So to me, low-key survivor's guilt is like not appreciating what God has been doing in my life. That's something I'll be battling with. Like, give it to somebody else, Lord, but why me? Like, why did you give it to me? Like. My homie started clothing lines, and why why'd I sell a thousand hoodie? Yeah, you know I mean, like little stuff like, and I I don't think I'm special, but I put it out, and just God put His hand on it, and people gravitated towards it again. And I'm just like, I'm not the most skilled, the most eloquent, I'm not the most anything, but just time and time again, I see God just like put His hand on me, and it's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? If that if that makes sense. Now I feel you because it's um I heard AI um Alan Iverson for those that are uncultured <clears throat> I'm sorry 
um he said like you know what's wrong what's wrong with being you you know you out here disrespecting god looking at somebody else's life trying to take theirs and then you're trying to give your life to somebody else's you know what i'm saying we all have a role to play that doesn't mean that like god picks somebody to be a miserable person or god picks somebody to be successful it just means that we're all in these different like i would say like positions um yeah. positions to play this different um roles in our lives but it's very easy to think when looking at somebody else's i wish i could give them my give them what i have but god's like i gave that to you so you can use it for my glory so it's like it's that you want to be humble and recognize that he gave it to you when he could have gave it to somebody else but then it's that acceptance <clears throat> that false humility that you spoke of you yeah. know um i think it's I, I forgot what john bellion said he said um being over hump i think he said like over humble is a corny way of being arrogant or something like that i think like, like but it's the truth though because it's like you think that you know more than what god has intended for you with that mindset so it's like you gotta it's you gotta keep that place of humility but you have to keep that place of acceptance because if you don't accept what god's trying to do in your life then you won't accept anything so it's i i definitely get that i feel that um when you break down like what survivor's guilt means to you absolutely absolutely yeah. um so my next question is is you know people know you as as an artist people know you as a lyricist um can you tell me about what made you catch the music bug you know it's one thing to be a consumer of it but to contribute to the consumption what was that for you that made you want to get into it uh shoot for me it was again it's always just been people for me because even like before i like because i didn't start taking music serious like putting out projects until my freshman year in college but you guys any of my homies in high school i'd freestyle battle we'd be at camp they'd be like yo aaron rap i'd be at parties rapping i guess i just love like the energy of people so it was just something i fell in love with where it's like this is this is in my head like people love you or people admire you for what's in your head and i'm just like bro i got add so i'm not smart i'm just creative and like resourceful i'm not gonna say i'm dumb but i know that i'm not book smart but what i am is i'm, I'm creative i study i peep game i'm resourceful and like i i apply what i learn like i apply what i learned i'm consistent so when I seen like, okay, I'm just gonna sit here with the beat. I'm gonna rap it. I rap it to my friends, like, yo, that's fire. Or I put out a, my first time putting out a song, I put it out for my whole town, and everyone's playing it in their cars and they bumping it. I was like, oh, I think I got some. Cause I look at it like with anything, bro. If the people around you aren't rocking with it, then you don't got it. Cause your friends and family, even if you're trash, are still gonna gas you up. They still go gas you up. It's like, oh, bro, you're dope. So it's like, I realized when I just put stuff out, the people closest to me was like, yo, you got some. I was like, okay, let me keep going. You can hear, you hear my baby crying. I'm sorry. Look, look, man. I, I already told. I told you before we got started. Like, look, anybody that <laughs> gets disgusted by the side of kids, they never been around no kids. You good, dog? It's all good. All oh, yeah. good over there, man. But yeah, but yeah, that's what that's what gave me the bug. Like just doing it and seeing the people react to it let me know i should keep going like i was like okay i got some because i put it out and they was like yo i want more so i just kept going and kept going 
Gotcha. You know, who would you describe as you say that people was uh I guess like something like pushed you to get into it, but who would you describe as like your biggest influencers? Like if somebody had to say, like, say if we're talking basketball, if somebody had to describe your play like a like a player, you could base it off of some people would say Tony Allen, some people would be capping and saying LeBron or Kobe. But like if you had to um pick like an artist that best describes like what your sound sounds like who would that be hmm earlier in my career i would say like ludicrous because he was just one of my favorite my favorite artists like ludicrous i loved his like his energy he was animated his voice inflections like stand up move i was like i just love how like he could command the room and that's kind of my energy i was just kind of like in your face, I was like, Luda was my dude. So, but now lately, because my style has changed over time. Like people, people used to say I sound like E40, and I was like, bro, I never liked that because I thought E40's voice sounded crazy. But at one point, they, I got like E40 comparison, a lot of Ludacris, uh, Jay Colish. But now, I don't want to say I sound like anybody. Like I'm finally in my pocket. But if I had to say a rapper, like I love Rod Wave right now. He a secular artist. Don't crucify me, y'all. Oh no, I listen. Look, look, bro. In my sad boy hours, when I'm eating hot chings, hot wings, and my sweatpants, I definitely throw on some hard on ice. Uh, ain't nobody judging me out here. So. Rod, Rod Wave is that dude, bro. But um, so yeah. Now it's hard. I don't know who I compare myself to now, but when I I got a little bit of Luda. A little bit of J. Cole, a little bit of Raw Wave. Uh, but I try to bring, like, the energy. I feel like that's what mission and music. People try to be too cool. And that's what I also loved about Luda was he was a clown in his videos. And he he just – because he wasn't a gangster, but he wasn't sweet. He could he would beat you up if you – step. so I'm like, that's me. I'm not a gangster, but I'm not sweet. I'm not going to act like I'm the hardest dude out. But I, I will – I I did. I would fight you. I used to. I used to do certain stuff. But I'm not a gangster. So that's why I always resonated with that, especially people like Kanye and stuff, because I was like, they being themselves, but like they not sweet. And that's kind of like, that's me. So I would even say maybe a style is more like a, try to how I carry myself is more like backpackerish. I'm probably not even making sense, but <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't describe the style, honestly. But yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Real. So, I'm not gangster, but I'm not sweet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's that. It's that. I love Jesus, but I'm just not a pacifist. You know what I'm saying? Just like I, I, I love peace, but I'll give you a two piece. You know what I'm saying? Like it just. <laughs> you need to remind them. Like I'm just. <laughs> my, my homie Cam would say, uh, "Save don't mean soft, and it's Bible don't make me sweet." I'm from the south side of heaven. Facts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Tupac said there's a thug's mansion, so there's got to be a ghetto in heaven. I don't know where Peter and Paul would go. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious because, you know, I've been paying attention to you for the last couple of years, and I always ask this question, especially to black men, this question. Um, When did you realize, like, Obviously, you wake up with in, in the mirror and you see your hands and you see the melanin that God has kissed your skin with, you know what I'm saying? Um, but when did you realize not only that you were black, but what did that, what, like, in a society, social construct, 
what that means. When did you realize that for yourself? I want to say the first time I realized it was fourth grade because this the first time I got in a fight. I was on the playground, and this kid called me Wheat Bread. He's like, shut up, Blackie. You look like Wheat Bread. And I didn't know that was a diss. Oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> until my homie Brandon went, you can let him call you that, swing on him. And Brandon, he's still my homie to this day. He's in my wedding. But in fourth grade, he made me get my first fight. And he was like, you let him call you that, swing on him. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be offended? I was like, oh, all right. So I started fighting the kid. I got recess taken away for a week. But that was the first time I realized, like, being black was wrong. Or maybe, like, how they, you know how they make you feel. Like, okay, like, my skin is a weapon. Like, my cut, there's something wrong with me. That's the first time I, like, realized that, like, oh, I'm not like y'all. Like, I'm not, we not all just people. So, yeah, I, I vividly remember that day, like, being called that and being like, dang, oh, okay, I guess this this is supposed to make me mad. There's something wrong with my skin. You know what I mean? So, gotcha. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious about this. So, it's a little story about me. I didn't grow up in the church. When I say I didn't mm. grow up in the church, I grew up around people that went to church. But you can't get you know you can't. How do I say? How do I describe this? You can't get a second. You can't get a second hand smoke high into heaven. You know what I'm saying? That just, I was going to hell on a scholarship. I'm just gonna keep it a beating with you. I just <laughs> I didn't get saved until I was 19. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to keep it a beanie with you. Um, mm -hmm. For me, though, in my, I would say, in my early 20s, late teens, because uh, I didn't get saved until I was 19, I've recognized that I would say like this, I would say like this back and forth I had within myself, being a disciple of Christ, but being the Imago Dei that looks like this, meaning like with mm -hmm. the melanin that God has blessed me with, um, can you talk to me a little bit about what, um, how it, how difficult it can be to nurture your blackness as a disciple of Christ? Also, what it was like for you navigating while nurturing your blackness in some of these like church circles, bruh. <laughs> well, you got the good questions, man. That's that. That's a good question. Oh, uh, shoot. I can't hear you. Oh, you're muted, I think. I said my bad. I said I tried to do my best to dig that's, deep. That's a good question, bro. <laughs> bro. Because I'm not even going to cap. Technically, I didn't get saved in a white church because a lot of the members there were black, but the pastors were white. So my brain is kind of a white church. So... Can you, real quick, I will interrupt you for this. Can you speak to the dichotomy of having a white pastor in a predominantly black church? Like what that, what the difference is for you? Well, my, my current pastor, Scott Free, he might as well be black. He, he, he like, he grew up, he grew up in Miami. Like he, he not black, but like he of the culture. He like the Eminem of pastor. You know what I mean? Whatever. But my, my first pastor I still love him. You know, Ron, it's just like, he's just white, though. He just, he just, he's a white guy. So the dichotomy is, one of my other homies said it to me so clear one day. I was like, dang. He's like, Aaron, they tricked us. Not like him. He was just saying, when we say church culture or kingdom, what it really is is white culture. And when I sat back, I was like, from the music 
to what we talk about, it's like it's white culture. And there's nothing wrong with white culture as long as it's not racist. But what they enjoy, what they like, it's just different than black culture. Like what we talk about, black people, we're a little more aggressive. We're a little more, we could argue. I mean, we're not, we're not even arguing. We're just passionate. So it's just things we do and say that we all understand. So certain things like racism. And I just remember being told like, well, we don't want, don't talk about that. Like we don't want to ruffle feathers. Like ruffle feathers. We don't want to create division. It's like phrases like that, that I don't think they were, they weren't, they weren't, they just were doing what they know. And the more white people like I know, they kind of feel the same way about certain topics. They're like, let's stay away from them. It's divisive. Let's just talk about the gospel. And that, I was cool with that when I first got saved, honestly, because I was just worried about not being ratchet anymore. I was like, I just want to, I just want to be a man of God. I want to change. I want to be sold out. I want to be godly. So all the other stuff that I was passionate about, I kind of put to the side for a little bit because I was just like, I'm just focused on my heart right now. But once I got that right and I started going back to like the well, like the well-rounded version of me, because before I was one-sided, like I was all like, sin is bad, which is, which is true. But I wasn't the person you see right now. I was kind of just one-sided and say no to sin and all that. But when I got back to being healthy, like well-rounded, I was like, you know, like I care a lot about race. Uh, I care a lot about women's rights. I care a lot about these other things that are gospel issues because Jesus would have spoke on them or Jesus would have spoke up for these people. I want to talk about institutional racism. I want to talk about these things that are affecting people, but more importantly, my people. And when I was seen, I was given a pushback when I started speaking about that, it, it made me, I got frustrated. It wasn't necessarily the pastor. It was just white Christians I knew as a whole that were around me in conversations on the internet, I was like, oh, there's a common theme with how y'all feel on these subjects. And not every white person, but there's a common theme. So it caused me to be like, you know what? I'm done with the white church. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but, but again, I can't be done. My, my wife's white, you know what I mean? So it was, it was just a weird, it was a weird two years since like, Actually, three years since I was just like, I'm, I want to go back to talking what's important to me. So it was a battle. And yeah, like my pastor now being white, like, bro, he, he's here. I, I should tell him this. I haven't. But he's healed so much in me of like how I felt about. I'm a, I'll be like towards white men. He's healed so much of that unintentionally because he just reminded me like it's not a it's not a white thing. It's just a cultural thing. Like some people just don't know what they don't know, and I can't be upset or mad with them because I know they don't hate black people or hate me. They're just culturally ignorant in certain areas, and I could give them grace for that. As long as I know you're not racist and like you like hate me, uh okay. You you okay, you agree with Candace Owens. Okay, I don't I'm a little upset, but I know you don't hate me, so I'm just I I still got love for you, you know what I mean? So so yeah, that's the kind of difference. It's just, to me, it's a culture thing. Like white culture and black culture is vastly different. It's just that's what it is. But white culture seeped into the Western church. Like 
what their this culture is seeped into the church and we still called it church culture but really it's white culture contemporary music is white culture like we gospel but i'm getting saved listening to contemporary you're a good good father i'm just like oh i'm like so when maverick city came out i was like hallelujah I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. This is what I've been waiting for. Absolutely. This is, this is, I've, been, I've been waiting for this. My soul, my spirit feels alive. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's yeah. so it's funny. Somebody texted me. They were like, wait, who's somebody showed up late? You can, by the way, those are watching. If you want to watch live, click the live button on either Facebook or it or um, YouTube. But for those that don't know who Tamala Man is, you know, for my black people, because a black person asked this question, that's Cora from the Tyler Perry movies. You know what I'm saying? She's mm -hmm. apparently Mr. Brown's daughter, even though that actor and the actor that plays Cora are married. It's weird. Just they know Tamala Man is. They, some a, a black a black person did not. I'm not gonna put their name on blast, but they did not know who Tamala Man was, and I guess they wanted to text me. But I'm just gonna be passive aggressive and answer their question. Tell her to look up, take me to the king. It's going to make you cry. <laughs> I don't know how you don't know who Tamla Man is, but okay. If you watch Tyler Perry movies, you know who Tamla Man is. You don't even got to be a Christian. When she Google that. it, she see the face, she's going to be like, oh. oh they don't want to ask Google, but they asked me. So I'm going to be passive aggressive and kind of throw shade. It's okay. It's nighttime. So it's not like it's too, too bad. Um, <laughs> So one thing that I really... <clears throat> wanted to dive in on because i remember you went through this um i remember you went through this right around the same time i think like we all as a people were going through this this was right after the verdict or lack thereof i would say of the t of the brianna taylor case you just came right out i think you went on live or something and this is before like your podcast you launched your podcast you just came right out and was just like don't call me a Christian anymore. Um, <laughs> this isn't me like pulling your salvation card, brother, because I was there too. But can you dive in a little bit about what <laughs> caused you to like, I would say, like take that stand, share that sentiment, and what was going through your mind at that time? <laughs> I'm laughing because like I remember that day and and honestly, yeah, like, again, if you're watching this and you're white, I love white people, y'all. One of my, a youth pastor from Illinois that I rock with heavy, a white guy who, he he woke, like, he he an ally. His wife, I love him and his wife. And she she checked me in my DM. She was like, Aaron, I get your anger. Like, I get what you're feeling, but that's not showing love to the people. Like, you could be mad at Christians. But regardless of how you feel about them, you still have to show them love and, and be Jesus to them. And it, it struck with me. At first, I was like, who does, who does? At first, I wanted to be like, hey, you're white. Stay out of it. That's, that's, that's my, my, my <laughs> initial inkling. But when I sat with it, she was right. And why I said, don't call me a Christian, call me a follower of Jesus, because it was really seeing how. Christians act on social media. I realized in real life, most Christians aren't that mean. Like, they're not gonna walk up to somebody like, murderer, you killed your baby. Murderer. They just do it on the internet. They think for some reason, getting in comment sections and condemning people to hell and 
saying you're going to hell and turn or burn because you're gay. They think this approach works. So I was getting tired of like my homies. I've been putting in work, pouring into people, not trying to get them saved, but try to show them Jesus. And then it feels like when they hop on the Internet and they see how my family's acting, they're like, oh, I rock with you, eh? but I, I, I can't be a Christian. Like, I can't be associated with this title because when I think of this title, I think of hate. I think of bigot. I think of judgmental. I think of holier than that. There's all these negative terms that people think of when they hear the word Christian. So I was like, you know what? Y'all messing up what I got going on right now. I'm trying to get people into the kingdom to know like Jesus and me calling myself this name is messing with my vibes. You know what? I'm not a Christian no more. I'm a follower of Christ. I was joking because I know, obviously, if you believe in God, they're going to call you a Christian. I, I can't say I'm not a Christian. So it was it was more of a joke, but I was really, like, throwing shots at all y'all whack Christians. Oh, yeah, y'all, you were hot. Like, yeah, I remember I was you like, had, I was like, like, and this isn't to mock you because I think it's beautiful when black no, I was, I was heated. I, was I just heated remember you was like, don't call me a Christian. Tears in your eyes. And I was just no, like, don't call me a Christian, bro. I was like, yo, y'all, y'all messing it up, bro. We trying to get people saved. We trying to get people into the kingdom with love and being an example, like bump preaching the sermon, being the sermon, just loving people, being normal. Can you talk to somebody about more than their salvation? Be a normal person. Eat with them, chill with them, talk with them. And God's going to come up. Because when someone asks me a question, like, hey, how you, how you end up in Atlanta? I could talk about God. Hey, bro, how's life going? I could talk about God. Let them ask you. Let your life be a sermon. And they're going to be curious. If, if you're a cool enough person, if you're a real enough person, they're going to ask you stuff about yourself. And then that's your opportunity to breach. But stop running around with your Bible, smacking people on the head and being like, well, they the world hated Jesus too. No, they hate you because you're weird. Like, stop. stop. You're weird. That's why they don't like you. That's why they hate you. Not because you're a Christian. And that's what I was on that day. And I was like, you know what? Bump all y'all. I, I ain't a Christian no more. I, I'm a follower of Jesus. But all y'all Christians, y'all can miss you with that. So, yeah, that's what I was on. I'm cooling now, though. I'm a Christian, y'all. <laughs> I'm a Christian, y'all. I'm a Christian, y'all. I no, not, that, not that I was questioning your faith because I, no, I, well, I, I was. I recognize that that frustration. Um, I was just talking about this earlier and um, with somebody else. I was saying, like, you know, I feel like with I would say like the old administration, I don't, I'm not mentioning his name. You don't have to mention his name. That's fine. We'll just say 45, you know, from 45 getting into office. You know, I've seen I've seen how politics entered the pulpit and inseminated the church. I was just like, yo, if this is a definition of what it means to be a Christian, that ain't me. I'm good. Let's just, I'm, I'm, that ain't me. Like, I, it's kind of like, like, it's, it sounds awful to say this. It's like, when you be like, it's like, <laughs> you be, you, you'll tell people like, where are you from? Say if you live in the ghetto or something, you'd be like, oh, I live out here. It's like, like, oh, I'm from Baltimore. Oh, you mean where they got shootings and killings? It's like, but yeah, it's like, yeah, but we got baseball games out there. You know what I'm saying? We got sneaker releases. You know what I'm saying? There's more <laughs> the Baltimore than just this. You would have to, you would have to like, this is where the, this is where the art of apologetics is, everybody, is yeah. where you have to like show them the beautiful side to the things 
that people choose to still do ugly in this area, but that does not negate the beautifulness of said area. And I feel like sometimes you have to, when doing apologetics, you have to, as um, I think it was Paul, if I'm not mistaken, in the Bible, when he was saying, no, God, I'm, I'm trying to remember who said this in the Bible. Basically, God said, don't call clean what I call unclean. And me, just, in, just like you saying, if y'all call that clean, I'm going to be the one to tell you that ain't clean, dog. That ain't, nah. You know what I'm saying? So we have to uh, that's it, real, though. I'm calm now, though. I'm good now. I'm good now. No, you good, man. Black man, express yourself. You was fine. You know what I'm saying? Nobody like 2020 was a crazy year, bro. It was 2020 was wild, bro. 2020 was wild. I'm yeah, still trying to just, recover. I'm still trying. Yeah, to I don't know. There was it was it's one. We're still in this pandemic, Lovato pandemic. Um, Kobe died like two days after my birthday. There was cocaine alligators in Florida. People were flushing cocaine down the toilet. The alligators is getting high and eating people. Like it was wild. I was like, what in the world is going on? And then it's like, oh, racism. You're back. Thought everybody was on the page. Ahmaud Arbery. There was like back back to that's how they I saw so, so mad. Rihanna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery. It was like back to back to back. It was it was like yeah, it was like I was like, dang, and I was just like, in the end, I should just I should have just got off the internet that year. That's what I should have done. I should have logged off. I probably would have been in a better space, but I was I was in too much. I was I don't even comment on stuff I disagree with anymore. I used to be in everyone's. I used to be in Candace Owens, the Hodge twins, like y'all are <laughs> going in on them. I'm like, hey, bro, let them live, bro. They try to build their platform. Yeah, there, there was cocaine alligators. Look, Google it. Go look in Florida. There was cocaine alligators. What you mean? Like people, they got them high? They People were flushing cocaine down the toilet, like El Chapo cocaine down the oh, toilet. Oh, the that, alligators that, were eating up? That, that, the Colombian Cubana down the toilet, you know what I'm saying? Cocaina was down the toilet, and then the crocodiles and the alligators was bugging, and they had the munchies. Like, they just, they went in, they was high. Like, they started what they started... They started like you. They developed kneecaps all of a sudden. They just started roaming the streets. You know what I'm saying? They was in them For streets. Real? Yeah. I'm, Google it. I'm player. I wish I was capping. I, there's no hand on my head. Cocaine alligator. Cocaine alligators. Google I've seen it. it all now. I done seen it. You know what I'm saying? Um. So I am curious about this because this is going to segue into my next question. Um. You being in Atlanta and you mentioned Ahmad Arbery. Um. And I never like I never got to hear you unless you posted like a status. But it, since I got you here, yeah. I think that this would be good to kind of have you dive into. Can you speak to? I would say like, can you speak to the temperature or the pulse of what it was like? And you live in Atlanta, right? If I'm not mistaken, yes. Yeah, Brunswick is about four hours from where I'm at. About three right. hours. Right. Gotcha. Can you speak to the temperature or the pulse that was happening in Georgia? I would say after Ahmad Arbery, and I would say like even just the heat of like the reignited civil rights movement, which we have, people act like like people stop fighting for civil rights. It's just no, y'all, <laughs> no, Pandera, Panera Bread's closed. Now y'all paying attention. Uh, <laughs> can you speak to like what that was like for you in your hometown um, after Ahmad Arbery personally? I mean, like that it was right in your state. Bro, it was it was crazy because I don't know if you heard of Hovey. He a Christian rapper signed to Reach, but I never heard of Brunswick. But he shout out the he shout out the Wick and like every one of his regular like from the Wick back to the Wick. So 
I never heard of it, but I, I've, I've heard since I moved here, it was like Southern Georgia is like super racist. That's what I've heard. Like, because right now where I'm at, Marietta, Atlanta, it's we chill. We the city. Like, this is where all the rich black people's at. <laughs> bad. This is where like the nightlife, the strip clubs, all that is cool. But when you go to South Georgia, that's where you're going to start seeing all the Trump flags, all the Confederate flags, all the the crazy stuff. So honestly, where we're at, there was just a lot of like unrest, but it wasn't too bad because we're like, we're in the city. But I'll say for me personally, bro, around that time, I was legit scared because this man is not, he got, I was like, bro, so you, I could really just get killed for just being in the wrong place because I'd be going jogging. And that's where it really hit me because I, I go jogging every morning. So I was like, this Negro got killed jogging? I was like, that's, I'm not saying I understand police shooting, but I can wrap my head around somebody getting killed by a cop. I can wrap my head around that. Like, him being like, why are you stopping me, officer? Officer, I can wrap, but like, he just going for a jog. And dudes are trying to be patrol for the neighborhood, and he get gunned down. That hit close to me because I was like, "Bro, that literally could have been me." I'm not saying the cop wouldn't kill me, but at this point in my life, I'm like, "Yes, a master, no master." I don't play that. That's just me. I don't, I don't play that because I got two kids, a wife. I'll take an L every time. With I don't, I don't argue with cop. But to get killed by a civilian on a jog, I was like, "Bro." They're really killing us, bro. They and it, it, it stuck with me, and I was like, I was shook. Honestly, I didn't jog for a week because it hit me that deep, and that was really just what got me anxious and a lot of depression with that one specifically. Breonna Taylor, it hit me. You know what I mean? Like George Floyd really hit me because I saw the video, but that one, I was like, dang, that's me. Like I was, I was literally watching. I was like, yo, that could have been me last week, and. So there's a lot of unrest, bro. That's what I would say. There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of, uh, I think we marched after that one. Yeah, people marched after that one, too. There was a lot of unrest. So that's why I would say the word, if I could think of anything, was just like unrest and like anxiety because it hits so close. Because, you know, when you see something on the news, and you're like, okay, then that suck. But when it's like, when it hit close to home, then you start being like, oh, this is real. So unrest, but also that's when a lot of white people, I feel like, started waking up. They was like, oh, they're not just complaining. They see the video of this man getting chased and gunned down. Like, they couldn't argue with this one. You, you can't argue. They still try to argue about George Floyd. Oh, he had stuff in his system. But this one, you there's nothing to argue. The man was minding his own business, and these people took the liberty to go gun him down. And I feel like it woke people up to be like, we not just talking. Like, they really target us out here, bro. They, they, your skin is a weapon when you black, bro. Just being black, it's a weapon to some people. Like, you might as well have a gun on you if you black. Because that they, they view you as a threat. So it's crazy, man. It was crazy for sure. Yeah, I feel that. It's, um, <clears throat> and then, like, I've, I've remembered this. I got hype, okay? So, like, you decided to, I think you dropped this music video, and I remember <laughs> you were saying something like, 
one of your bars was uh, to the sentiment of like stop going to Africa to feed my people or something like that. And you won't even help like my people that live next door to you. And I just remember like through my phone and I was just like, I was like, see, I don't think people realize (laughs) how frustrating it is, especially like in the social media age. It's like, look, I love God. Look at these starving little UNICEF African children. I just gave them goldfish. But then like, they next door neighbor is like battling thoughts of suicide and depression. And they like, get away from me, yo. Get right with God. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I just, I, <laughs> I'm like, mm. I don't think people recognize that Christian, being a Christian, um, we, we have a, we have a mutual mentor, Pastor Roy. He says, you know, Christian is a verb, not a noun. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm. it's, it's not really what you're seen doing but the actual application and doing it and i just remember that frustration out of you brother i was just like i was like okay he's just he's popping off like i put it it all that song bro it took me like two weeks to write it i was like missionaries in africa taking pictures with your black neighbor hurting talking but you don't listen i was like because i seen it all like people will run to africa for a photo op like just for a photo op now you go travel all this time for a photo op. You're gonna build some toilets. You're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna do all that. And and I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but it's like you cross the street when you see a black person in your hometown. You lock your door. You clutch your purse. You're afraid of them. But in Africa, you feel safe. But out here, the homeless black person you see, you're just like, oh my, oh my gosh. And I'm like, make it make sense. Like make. But again, through my experience, I have learned it's not their fault. They don't, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. They they mean well. They've just been trained and programmed a certain way. So it's up to us to, I'm not going to tell you how to act, but politely or aggressively wake them up to their actions. But we're all ignorant in some area of life. We're all ignorant. They're just ignorant when it comes to race relations. So that so this is this is the more mature era where I've learned to be like, this doesn't mean they they don't love God, Aaron. This doesn't mean they don't. They're just ignorant <laughs> in this area. So help them if you care enough. And I'm not saying it's our job to enlighten white people either. But if you like, you just if you care enough. Just enlighten them. So, but yeah, I w- and right now I wouldn't have wrote that song, but back then it needed to come out because it was a hard truth. Like right now I would have said it, but in like a, a nicer way. Back then I was like, bump it. I'm trying to piss y'all off. <laughs> I think for me, I think for me personally, it's trying like, to piss y'all off. And for me personally, it's like a yeah, you could be ignorant, but then like when the education is free and Google is free. It's like there's a sense of willful blindness. And then like I will push back a little bit on that. It doesn't mean they love God because I think of that Bible verse, you know, any man that claims to love God but hates their brother is a liar because any man that hates their brother who they have seen can't love a God who they haven't seen. So it's like it's that it's that, as you said, you know, use that discernment and let your life be a sermon type type of walk. It's just for me, I'm like, 
I have a really hard time to believe you don't think <laughs> this is okay. Like the lynchings used to be a church thing in this country. So it's like, uh, I don't know, bro. It's like not for everybody, but for those that like I examine the fruit, I'm like, that ain't God. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that one ain't I God. Feel you, bro. Ignorant. Some of y'all are ignorant, but Google is free. And if you got enough time to listen to what, what was that? What was what was Shorty's name? Calling the angels from Africa to help. Oh, if you got enough time to watch something like I'm, that, I almost said Betty White, RIP Paula White. Paula White, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that, right, just, yeah. that just sounds like a white name. My gosh. Um, but yeah, if you got time to watch that, I think you got time to just recognize. That nobody in the Bible was white, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things I'm curious about, um, and I've kind of I didn't even know not so much that I didn't know this in you, like I doubted this about you, but I thought that this was dope to see this manifest out of you. You kind of stepped into this different lane when it comes to like your artistry as um as Jay-Z likes to say, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. Um, you came out with this, I would say like, this has become like a uniform to the black sheep in a sense. It's become a uniform for those that speaks to like the, it speaks to the love of Christ, but it also is transparent in like the realness of the struggle of just being a human. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Break the Cycle, dog. Uh, what made you want to come up not only with the name and speak to the significance of that, but talk, talk to me a little bit about what made you want to get into that lane. Bro. Bro, you bro, you a great interviewer, bro. You bro, you got a gift, man. You, how you be fold the questions, all that, bro. You got it, bro. You Thank you, it. bro. I appreciate yeah. it. I've been I, I spent a lot of time talking in class, so I figured I could use the good use once I got saved. I don't know. Yeah, bro, um, you, you got a you got a gift, bro. You got a gift. Um hmm. Yeah, for me, bro, break the cycle is like, it's a, it's my baby, bro. Like when, at, at first I didn't, I wasn't jacking it, cause when I was, I was like, I knew God wanted me to start a clothing line, and I was like, when I, when I know God wants me to do something, I get quiet, I pray, I fast, I'm like, okay, God, give me the name. So, super quick, I heard break the cycle, and I was like, yo, that's corny as heck, bro. I ain't break the cycle. Oh, that's corny. Keep keep praying, keep thinking, and nothing else. Because when when a God talked to me, it's like it, I feel it in my spirit. Like people come sometimes they ask, like, "How do you hear God?" Like for me, it's like I hear a thought, but when I hear the thought, it just like it hit me in my chest, and it's like I can feel and I know that I know it's God. So I felt that feeling, but my flesh was like, "I want something cooler or sleek." You know what you I mean, like victory or i mean just something you know what i mean like uh so but for another month i'm thinking of names and nothing hits me in my chest like break the cycle i go to my wife i'm like baby i can't think of nothing she was like that's because god already spoke to you bro like he already spoke to you and told you what it is it's break the cycle aaron and i was like dang god spoke to me through her again like i felt that in my spirit <laughs> so i was like okay god you uh, so, but then when I, when I settled in on it and then I realized what it was, I was like, okay, what does this mean to me? And then I started thinking about how like my dad, cause this is right before, this is right when I was about to have my first son. 
And now me and my pops, we cool. Me and my pops is cool now. But growing up, I couldn't stand him, bro. I hated him, frustrated. And he wasn't there emotionally. He was there, but he wasn't present physically or emotionally. So it was like I had a dad, but I didn't have one. So I realized that shaped me. And I wouldn't have maybe went down some of the paths I went down. I wouldn't have became, but I like who I am now. So it kind of all worked out for it for good. But I wondered who I would have been if I had like a super present, hands-on father. So when I started Break the Cycle, I was just thinking about being the father I never had growing up and changing the stigma of what a black father is, honestly, because the numbers are lies, bro. Black people, black men are in their children's lives. Like, I don't know, like every most of the black people i know they in their kids lives like so it's like that's a that's a mess that's a that's a a miss a misnomer that's a rumor but i want to change the stigma like i want to change the stigma of what it means to be a christian a black man and so those are two things and i was also saying like i want to break the cycle of how people think and how they move and breaking like whatever your whatever your people told you you have to think or be like if it's not of god you could break that cycle so I did this around politic time and I was like, okay, God, what's the first shirt? And I heard him say, clear as day, Jesus over politics. And I was like, oh, again, I felt it in my spirit. I was like, okay, that's the one. <laughs> Cause that's just Jesus over all of this, bro. Like we arguing left to verse right. And people are saying you're that I'm a, they call me all type of names. I never even heard of. I never even heard of Mar Marxists and, CRT until two years. I'm like, nigga, I love Jesus. I mean, so I put out Jesus over politics, bro. And I tell you, I sold like 70 shirts in like a week. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was just like, dang, God, like people who don't even believe in Jesus or God were buying the shirt because they were sick arguing about politics. They were, they were like, bro, like I want to go back to this people posting their kids and funny memes. Like I'm tired of arguing. Like, okay, yeah, Jesus over politics. So that was the first shirt, but then it moved to like this one, that one paint as a purpose. That was my second one. And then it got more to like, what is, what is really my heart behind it is like, bro, like we all were created by a God, not a God, by God, the God of the Bible. We were all created with a purpose, with a plan for our life, but we get in our own ways. We all have cycles, that's mindsets actions um ways of thinking things we do that get in the way of being who we're created to be so it's our job to unlearn to unlearn the things we are taught the negative behaviors the toxic behaviors the things that are stopping us from being that person it's up to us to be that change to be the change like you're the seed that your family tree has been waiting for to break the cycle in your family whether that's addiction whether that's fatherlessness whether it's laziness even financially you you might be the first millionaire in your family and that pain that you felt on that journey you can't let it go to waste y'all like you got to take that pain and use it for purpose because everything i went through the disappointment the rejection the hurt all that stuff it, it, it created empathy in me it created like an understanding for human emotions and people so now all that pain i took it and now I'm going to be like, I know how you feel, bro. Like, I'm not capping. I know how it feels to be rejected by somebody you love. I know how it feels to be sleeping on a mattress. I know how it feels to be in a van 
with my with my family of six eating Domino's pizza because they're open 24-7 and we have to drive to the park. We have to drive to the um the laundromat to eat there because they kicked us out of Domino's. I know what it's like to sleep in a hotel with my family. All these things in the moment, they sucked. The devil used them like in that moment to try to get people to quit. But when you like, when you get past that, it's in retrospect, it's like, yo, you strong as heck. You're stronger. So it's like, take that pain and turn it into purpose. So yeah, overall, break the cycle for me, bro. It's not even like, it's not even a clothing line. It's like, it's a mission. It's like a life goal, life mission. Every day I'm breaking a new cycle. Like when I get over something else, I'm like, dang, I thought I was this in this area, but especially being married, my it will show me like you got so much more to grow here. Some little as time management. And all it's not always deep and crazy stuff. I need to break the cycle of being late. <laughs> I gotta break that cycle. I gotta break it. I gotta break the cycle of being late. Managing my time better. That's a cycle needs to be broken in my life. And bigger things. Like so, yeah, I hope that makes sense. But yeah, that's my heart behind it, bro. Like it's 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 never gonna end. Breaking the cycle is like to the day you die, it's bettering yourself and unlearning stuff that's not and unlearning stuff that's harmful and relearning things that you need to to go on your journey.